Let the good shepherd carry you. Even if your plans aren't realized in the way that you had hoped. We can all learn from Heather or Mary in the play uh, how we should handle life when it's not working out like we thought. Anybody been there? All of us get there from time to time because we're human. We make our plans, uh, but then God does what he does and we bend to his purposes. Anybody got some Christmas plans for yourselves? Anybody going to go do something at Christmas? Uh, anybody got all the Christmas stuff up? Yeah, we're not there yet. Uh, uh, anybody got all their Christmas shopping done? Yeah, we are a people of plans. Uh, we make them every day. Uh, you're wearing what you plan to wear or what was planned to wear for you. Uh, uh, some of you took more time than others, I could tell, but... Uh, Here you are, wearing what you planned. Uh, We all make plans. Even the people who say that I have no plans have made a plan. It's I have no plans. That's their plan, right? Everybody uh, who lives in a world of uncertainty, the future not being ours, has to make plans. The Bible talks about it when it says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his, the man's or woman's, steps. There's this friction between our plans and God's. Uh, A lot of times they align. Isn't that great? It's best when they do. Everybody agree? But sometimes our plans uh, don't fit into his purposes. He's sovereign, and his perfect will is going to unfold for us, even as his permissive will allows us some latitude. Uh, But his plans don't bend. His purposes will uh, be seen through Um, Often, I'm grateful for God's purposes. They're way better than the plans I had. Anybody ever had that experience? Like, uh, uh, I went to college uh, uh, mostly uh, by default. I just kind of applied really late in my senior year. I ended up at this place called Moody Bible Institute. I got to play basketball. That was my plan. Uh, But my sophomore year of college, I came back, and there she was. She was walking across the quad, this little five-foot-three dynamo hotter than the sun, right? And I just, uh, I was immediately attracted to my wife, Eleanor. We got to know each other. Uh, and through uh, uh, three different, uh, uh, you know, get-togethers and breakups, we finally got engaged. She's been my wife for 32 years. That is a blessing that went way beyond my plans, right? And lots of times, if you think about life, we get way more than we deserve. Anybody say that when someone asks you how you're doing? Better than I deserve, because God's purposes almost always exceed what we've planned But then there's the times where it's not, yay, God, it's, hey, God. Anybody have had those moments? What are you doing here? We had a good plan together, you and me. And this was not part of it. Sometimes his purposes are difficult before they ultimately bring his good. We're not as crazy about those. Suffering loss in a broken world is a a part of living in a broken world. And oftentimes, again, we don't hold the future and we experience anxiety and fear and and disappointment in how things are seeming to work out. But this is the one truth we know about our plans and his. We execute our plans in the midst of God fulfilling his purpose. Uh, Yesterday morning I got in the car and uh, did what Eleanor and I often do on Saturdays. Uh, I took her in the route that she wanted to go to the places that she wanted to go to. Husbands, it's a great lesson. Figure that one out, right? And uh, my purposes were secondary to hers. We were going to go thrifting. She asked me if I wanted to go in. My answer was no. (laughs) 
<laughs> my secondary plan to her primary plan was to listen to my podcast while she goes in the store. It's a great uh, win-win for both of us, right? But the, the morning's excursion was dictated by my bride. And what I did kind of filled in the spaces uh, of what her purposes dictated. Um, James talks about our plans and being careful with making them. He says in the, the fourth chapter of his letter, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. We'll make plans. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist, he says, that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. One more time. Proverbs 16, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord established, establishes his steps. What's that got to do with Christmas? I'm glad you asked. Christmas is the story of a bunch of normal people like you and me. Every one of us could have been, well, every woman in here could have been Mary. I've got to make sure I get that square. <laughs> Weird times. Anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> Every guy in here could have been Joseph or one of the shepherds. Every one of us, I don't know if you're picking up what I'm showing you here. There's all kinds of nativities. This was given to me by Dave Boyce. He's got tons of these from uh, 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 Village of Hope in Uganda for you to buy and support Village of Hope with. Uh, but everybody in this scene, this nativity, uh, was just a normal person working their plan until God came in and said, man, audible, we're going to do something different. We're going to uh, do life in a way that ultimately brings about my greatest purpose for the world of all, which is the birth of my son, his life, his uh, sacrifice, his resurrection, so that you can be with me through him. That was the purpose as Mary got her visit from the angel. See, Mary had a plan for Mary. If you're with me in the Bible today, you can go to Luke chapter 1 as we uh, are going to kind of be in the stories of Christmas, my 20th year of uh, preaching Christmas to us. Here we go again. Uh, but in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Everybody familiar with the story? Yeah. Mary's plan was Joseph, marriage. To this guy who um, we assume uh, Mary is a teenager, probably 13 to 15 years old, ladies. What's up? Anyway, uh, uh, she's been uh, basically promised in marriage uh, by Mary's dad, her dad, uh, to Joseph and, and to Joseph's dad. And, the, and the, the, the deal has been struck, as it were. And the engagement was seen as marriage. Uh, it wasn't just waiting for the day when marriage would come. It was, it was sealed uh, in ways that maybe our engagements aren't always. Uh, the save-the-date cards had been sent. They had posted this online. This was the plan that Mary had until the angel came, because God had a greater purpose for Mary. The angel came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in the text today, but I just love that last little line the angel says, The Lord is with you. Now, all of us would be surprised by the presence of an angelic being. Can everybody agree with me on that? And it's a, an affirmation to know that the Lord is with you. But uh, I don't think it was just this one moment that the Lord was with uh, Mary. And it's not just in certain moments that the Lord is with us. God's presence is constant with us. He is with us, for us, not against us. He will never leave us or forsake us. I don't know if that boggles your mind. It should, because we deserve it not. His grace and presence is not something that we've earned. But he is with us. 
He is with those who don't believe with him in him and those who do believe him. He's with those who disobey them, obey him and those who obey him. He's with all of us, and his grace is sufficient in all things. Um, that'd be a great way for us to start greeting with each other. Instead of, sup, how about, hey, God is with you. What a great reminder. It's kind of what the, the Hebrews do, the, the Israelite, Israelites. <laughs> I don't call them that anymore. Anyway, uh, in Israel, if you go to Israel, the, the greeting in Israel is shalom. It's God's peace be upon you. It's how you say hello and goodbye. Shalom might be a good thing for us. Uh, the angel's assurance is little comfort to Mary. If you know the story, you know that's true. She's greatly troubled. Every angelic uh, uh, interaction here between Mary, Joseph, the uh, shepherds, uh, everybody's freaking out, okay? Uh, she's greatly troubled at the saying and trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. It's understandable. I, I picture Mary doing a lot of eye blinking. Do you do that when you're surprised? Uh, what am I looking at, right? And shaking her head. And, and it doesn't say this, but we, we don't, would, would anybody you know, blame Mary if she screamed a little bit, right? Going, ah! You know, and, and, uh, and, and if I was in the presence of an angel, you got to know I'm looking for a door. Anybody else running? Okay, I'm getting out of there. I don't know what this is. This is not normal. She's greatly troubled, and the angel says to her uh, what the angel's almost always saying to people, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. And then he gives another affirmation, for you have found favor with God. This goes beyond his presence. This goes to his purpose. God's favor is upon you. Some good things are about to happen. That might not all be good. It might seem kind of hard, in fact, as it begins, but God's favor is upon you. Look at me real quick. If you don't hear anything else I say today, God created you. You are unique. He imagined you, and he has a purpose for you in life. And some of you might be, well, I'm not going to be Billy Graham. Only Billy Graham is Billy Graham. Settle down, okay? But you're you, and God has put you where you are with who you're with at the time you're with them for a purpose. And every one of us has something to accomplish for our God in his name, for his sake. Every one of us has been favored as part of his plan. The news of Christmas follows. It says in verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. <laughs> Excuse me. Try not to do that today. Uh, um, and the Lord will God will give him to the throne of his, uh, the throne of his father David, and his, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary, you're going to be the earthly mother of of God's one and only son. You're going to be the mother of the king, not just the king of Israel, the king of kings of all time. Mary's instantly cool at the plan. Anybody right ahead? No, she's not instantly cool at the plan. She's got questions just like you do when God, God's purpose kind of interrupts your plans. Hey! What's this? What are you even talking about? How can this be? Mary's been to health class. Verse 34, Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? I know how this works. There's no way I'm having a baby. Not going to fool me, bright and shining guy. <laughs> the angel answers her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and therefore the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. Now, we read that 2,000 years later after it's all done and, you know, happened, and, and we're like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. That's who Jesus became. Mary's hearing this for the first time. 
Do you think this was like a, a satisfying explanation for her? It's just gotten weirder. The Holy Spirit's going to what? How's this even work? And so I think the angel uh, has sensed this. God has foreseen this. And so uh, he does what angels often do. He says, listen, I'll give you a sign. Just so you know I'm not crazy, that you're not hallucinating. You know, he had some bad spaghetti or something like that. Uh, Here's the sign. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. God goes to the things that Mary knows and says, this will be your proof. You know Elizabeth. She's an old girl. She's wanted to have uh, a baby her whole life, but she and her husband, Zechariah, have never been able to have children. Um, (laughs) You'll go to her, and you'll see that she's also conceived a son. In fact, she's in the sixth month of uh, her pregnancy, this one who was called barren. And then he says it. Everybody read it with me. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God. Can we just recap the affirmations? The angel starts with, uh, the Lord is with you. He goes on to, the Lord has favored you. And he, you know, I know this sounds crazy, Mary, but just remember, there is nothing that is impossible with God. Wouldn't that be a great way to wake up every morning? To just be reminded that, hey, God is with me. God has favored me. And there is nothing in this day or any day that is impossible with my God. Say that when you wake up instead of, oh, Monday, or whatever you say. (laughs) Okay, so uh, one more proverb, and then we'll get to the final part of what I want to share with you. Um, Proverbs 19.21 says this, many are the plans in the mind of a man and a woman. Anybody got a few plans, right? But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand now, some of you might be new to the God story, and you're kind of wondering if you're going to believe in him or not. Um, uh, <laughs> he's real, whether you believe in him or not, and he's in charge, whether you think he is or not. You can make your plans, but God is sovereign, and his purpose will always stand. Ours, ours, our plans are secondary to what he purposes. So here's the question I want us to answer as we close. Something like close? A little bit, yeah. What do we do when God's purpose alters our plans? Hand motions, everybody ready? Put them together like this. Okay, do the fish. And say pivot, pivot. One more time, pivot, yeah. When God's purposes interrupt your plans, don't stay with the process that you've created. Pivot and go as God leads. That's the first thing. The second thing, take your hands like this and push. Don't push the person next to you, that's me. Don't hit the guy in front of you. That'll be a fight. That's why we got the orange shirts out here, in case you guys get feisty. But the first thing is to pivot, right? Don't stay with your process. Pivot as God leads. But then as soon as God is led, push. Push through into the things that he has for you. In his timing and the ways that he wants you to. Go. It's hard to steer a parked car. It's one of my favorite little tidbits that I picked up from a sermon when I was a kid. Probably the only thing I ever remember hearing in church, but it's totally true. You can't go in directions if you're not moving with him. So push. Find the proof that he gives and follow him in the direction that he leads. And the final thing is this. Everybody, one more time. What are we doing right now? It's the emoji I send most on my phone. The praying hands, right? We pray. Above all, we pray. 
for all of you know, our lives and everything that's in the future. We ask God, your will be done, not mine. Lead me to your purposes. Help me shape my plans and hold on to them loosely as your purposes are revealed. One more time, we pivot, and then we push, and above all, we pray. So we see in Mary's life, she pivots in God's direction for her, and so we should pivot in God's directions for ourselves. Mary said to the angel after this, you know, final proof was given, you'll go see Elizabeth, you'll see what I'm talking about. Mary says, all right. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. Now read that little phrase that Mary says. Now, Behold, see, come on. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So th- th- I'm just, I'm giving you something to say tomorrow morning. Everybody ready? Hey, God is with me. God favors me. You don't have to say it. Don't repeat it. God is with me. Just remember it and say it tomorrow. God is with me. God favors me. Nothing's impossible with him. And then quote Mary one more time, right? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What is it? Let my life, let let what happens in my future be according to your word and your purposes, even if it wasn't in my plans. This is how we live life, Christians soon-to-be Christians, we understand that we aren't God. He is, and his call is our call, and we go with him. Let it be to me according to your word. Um, As much as Mary can be in, she's in. She doesn't have the full story. She knows she's going to get pregnant. (laughs) Yay. Uh, But she's already forecast. Anybody ever find out something and you already start doing the math? You've moved forward into all the possible iterations that this might produce, right? Well, if if I tell Joseph I'm pregnant, well, there goes that. And if I tell my parents that I'm pregnant, well, there goes that. And if I tell anybody that I'm pregnant, well, there goes that. And and she's she's probably, just like the rest of us, trying to figure out how is this going to work. But then she, like the rest of us should, just snaps out of it. I don't know that that's going to happen. I don't know that that's going to be the case. And even if it is, behold, let it be to me according to God's word. I'm going to go. She's squared up with God's purpose for her life. She's pivoted away from her plan, and she's heading in that direction. You know, your body can only head where these toes are pointing. Everybody knows that, right? I defy you. Try to walk out of here with just looking backwards and pointing your feet in different directions. You're going to fall. The human body is designed to go this way. And we can only go in the directions successfully over long periods of time uh, that we're pointed at. Now, what are you pointing your life at right now? Got lots of plans, make them. Go ahead. But if God comes in and says, Audible, I'm calling a different play here. Are you ready to shift and pivot in his direction? Mary was. We're all grateful for that, right? I... uh, I love what happens next. She pushes forward, pushes forward, she pivots, and then she pushes forward to the proof that God provides. In those days, it says in verse 39 that Mary rose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah, or a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, apparently, they've been long friends. We, don't really, we, we think they were cousins, you know, probably, uh, but certainly a relative. Uh, Mary was familiar with Elizabeth. That's why God said, go see Elizabeth. You'll see what I'm talking about, right? 
And, uh, and so she goes to that house. And I love that she goes, did everybody see how she went? In haste. Okay, it was a drop everything kind of deal. Uh, I've just met with an angel. I found out I'm to have the son of God. And he's given me this one way to prove his message. I'm going there. Pivot, push. I'm going in the direction he's called me to. I'm going to actively move in the ways that God has directed. It says that Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary. The baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaims with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Who's Catholic? Yeah, some of you know. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And why is this granted to me, Elizabeth says, that the mother of the Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped. For what? Yeah, who's the baby in her womb? A guy named John. John the Baptist he'll become. Uh, and, and when Mary breaks the threshold, John starts doing push-ups or flips, or I don't know what's going on in there, but, uh, but he just starts going bonkers inside of his mother's womb. And Elizabeth, just, just to be clear, this hasn't been posted. This is, <laughs> this is not public knowledge that uh, uh, Mary's pregnant. Elizabeth by the power of the Spirit, senses what's going on, and by, by the grace of God, affirms what the angel has said to Mary before she could say word one. Mary, you're pregnant with the Son of God. You know how I know? The baby I have no business carrying started flipping up and down inside of me. When you came into the door, Mary's like, boom. That's the proof. She pivoted and she pushed, and God gave her his affirmation. Look how Elizabeth finishes in verse 45. She says, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Look at me. Blessed are you and I when we believe enough to move and experience from God the the proof, the affirmation of his purpose in our life. Because it's only then that we center ourselves truly, fully, and the things that he has for us. Finally, we pivot. Okay, come on, people. Help me out. I'm almost done. We do. And then we. And now what do we do? Oh, you were paying attention. That's so good. We pray for God's will to be done in our life always. We pray for God's will to be done. Mary, uh, in the next lines, I'm not going to read them all, but I'll start. Mary, uh, it's called Mary's Song. Anybody ever read this story? Uh, I don't know if she actually put it to music. Um, the Bible's tricky. There's lots of songs in the Bible, uh, most famously or you know, widely known. Uh, the Book of Psalms is a book of songs. But uh, don't miss this. The Book of Psalms is a book of prayers. They're conversations between David and the others who wrote in them um, uh, between them and God. And, and what we're witnessing is, is Mary's communication with her God in the wake of everything that's happened. And this is how her song or her prayer uh, begins. It says this in Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generous, generations will call me blessed, and we do. 
For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. You know what you do when you find out God's purpose for you, and he's affirmed it uh, as you've pushed forward to find his proof? Is you spend your time, your initial moments after that, turning your heart towards heaven and saying, thank you, God. I praise you for your purposes being fulfilled in me. What a blessing it is to know you and to be used by you and to be a part of your plan being realized. Thank you. That's where we start. Praise him. And some of you are like, sometimes it's hard to praise him for what he's doing in my life. I get that. Right? I'm the, I'm the parent of <laughs> kids who I wish were going in different directions. You've walked through some of the hard stuff of loss and disappointment. I get that. But what does the Bible tell us over and over to do? Take joy in those trials. Look to him in the midst of them. Praise him for the hard stuff because it's going to make us more like him and less like we were. We praise him. Then we ask him for more directions. That's how Jesus taught us to pray, right? He told us, uh, his disciples, when he was teaching them to pray, I'm going to skip down to Mark, or Matthew 6, uh, Chris, for the sake of time. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't that interesting that that's at the beginning? We say our greetings our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? And then the first thing we pray for is his will to be done on earth as it's in heaven. Don't have a lot of time, but does everybody understand in our reality there's two realms? There's two realms existing right now, the physical that we can see and the spiritual that we can't. And right now on the throne in heaven is our Savior Jesus Christ. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting for us all. Isn't that great? And when we pray, our prayers leave this realm and go to that realm. And the God who uh, is over both realms and who has purposed uh, his purposes for our life hears those prayers, and in and, and his vision for us, he gives us his provision so that what we need for what he's asked us to do comes from that realm to this room, realm, and he leads us and provides for us as he directs us in life. Isn't that great? It's this amazing reality that we live in, the reality of two realms. And so that's why we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for God's will. As it is perfectly enacted in heaven, will be perfectly enacted in this broken, sin-marred world. And then what's the next line? Remember the next line in the, in the Lord's Prayer? Give us this day our what? Our daily bread. Okay, I don't know if you like read your Bible, uh, you know, looking for context clues. This is in the context of ask, us asking God for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we ask for this daily bread. What are we asking for? God, give me what I need so that your will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes I've I've prayed that prayer, Lord, give me more money. Give me more stuff. I want lots of loaves, lots of daily bread. And I make it all about me. But what Jesus was teaching us and his disciples to pray was God's will to be done and for us to have everything we know we need from him so that God's will can be done. The last thing that he wants us to do when we pray is to shift the burden. Prayer is a spiritual exercise of transferring burden. Did you know that? Like, I don't know what you're doing when you're talking to people to get the stuff off your chest that you need to get off your chest. Anybody ever done that? Just listen to me for a second. I got to get this off my chest. Now, what you're doing is you're, you're saying the stuff out loud that's bothering you, the problems you're having, the things that you're wrestling with, and you're, you're putting it out there so it doesn't feel as heavy on you and someone else can you know, bear it with you and, 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 and you know, come up under that burden and carry it with you, right? 
That's what prayer's for. Some people treat prayer like the complaint box. God, you messed up here. Wouldn't have done it that way. Thanks a lot. You better. No. Prayer is this intimate, relational thing where I come to the God who has allowed or appointed the circumstances of my life, and I say to him, hey, man, I trust you. And all the feelings that are coming, the anxieties that I have, the fears for the future that I have, I'm taking them off of me, and in prayer, I'm giving them to you. You carry those suckers for me, will you? You know, some people ask me if they pray all the time. How's your burden? Still there. It's a half prayer. It's a complaint blocks prayer. Take the burden and shift it to him. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Why? Because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. He's like, I'll take your burden. You take mine. It's light. And let's walk through the things that I've purposed for your life together. So now, what do we do when God's purpose alters our plans? One last time. We pivot, and then we push, and we always pray, right? As a Christian, that's, that's the life we've been called to, a life that knows that God is with us, that God has favored us. That's nothing is impossible with him. We wake up every day and we pray, behold, Lord, let whatever it is come to be in my life according to your word. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But if you're here this morning and you're a non-Christian, listen to me. You know what God's greatest purpose for all of mankind is? To know him through his son, Jesus Christ. He wishes that none should perish, but that all might follow him. And if you would only understand that and pivot and push in Jesus' direction and pray to receive him, your life would never be the same. That's my personal testimony, my assurance to you. You want God to be with you? Pivot. He's always with you, but if you want him and you to walk together in his purpose, pivot and push and pray. You stand with me as we close. God in heaven, thanks for Christmas. <laughs> it's the beginning of our story with you because without Jesus being born, he can't live a perfect life, which none of us can do. And he can't die a death, which all of us deserve. And he can't be, uh, uh, you know, risen from the grave and, and have power over death, which gives us the gift that none of us could ever earn, eternal life. Thanks, God, for Christmas. It starts it all. Now, we know you're God and we're not. Help us to remember that. And when we make plans, God, help them to be open-handed plans, plans that are subject to change as your purposes are revealed. Help us to go trusting you following you, praising you, in constant communication with you so that you get the glory from the life that you've given us and we get the best that you want us to have. That's our prayer, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. God bless you. We'll see you next time. God bless you.